so I'll, we'll take for our topic uh, the remember, remembering that remembering the comforter remembering the comforter starting in Isaiah 54 verse 6 it says for the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and a wife of youth when thou wast refused say, say saith thy God for a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. <coughs> for, the <coughs> for the mountains shall depart, and the hills be, for, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on thee. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires. And I will make thy windows of agates and thy gates of carbuncles and all thy borders of pleasant stones. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord. And great shall be the peace of thy children. In righteousness thou shalt be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument of, for his work. And I have created the waster, to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Isn't that a magnificent section? Of scripture. Isaiah wrote. Now, you know, the people that the people the, the, the ones who put together uh, the the uh, 
the Bible here that I use, which is the Thomas uh, chain reference. My, my brain just went sh- went shot on me there. I haven't had much sleep. Uh, you know, they always looked at the church as always having existed as a type. And then it was made an antitype in the New Testament. And this, this chapter is titled in my Bible, The Church Comforted with Gracious Promises. And, and I, I, you know, as we think about being comforted, right, Remi- reminding that we have a com- remembering that we have a comforter, uh, that, that is a really wonderful way to state it. The way that he comforts us is amazing. And so we're going to start back here at the fifth church, at the, at the sixth verse. And, and we see a woman that is forsaken and grieved in the spirit. Now, I was trying to do some research on this as, as little as I could, uh, or as much as I could, or in as little amount of time as I had. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think that we can look at this woman and say that this, this woman that is forsaken and grieved in the spirit, you know, you're obviously in a position of anxiety there. And, and honestly, when I thought about this, it is, I thought about a woman who had been divorced. Now, I don't think that it's, it, it necessarily pertains to divorce, but uh, loosed. Maybe, maybe the bond's not as tight or whatever. And, uh, and a woman forsaken and grieved. And a wife of youth when thou, when thou wast refused. And uh, and so that's the, that's the kind of, that's the feeling or the sentiment that... that that Isaiah uses to start this off. Uh, that's the that's how everybody that's how they that's how it feels. Of course, we know the church is referenced as uh, as the uh, as the spouse bride of Christ, um, and, and we know that the church spent 1260 years in the wilderness, right? Uh, during the Dark Ages, uh, hiding in cliffs and caves and, and hiding wherever they could uh, and, and, and making it along and surviving, if we go back and study Baptist history. Um, and, and, but you know, in those moments of time, and, and I think that, that this week, whether it's whatever happened on Tuesday, because a lot of people are, are, are grieved over that, or, or whether it may be some personal reasons, um, you know, whatever it is, we can feel in that moment that the Lord's forsaken us. And sometimes maybe we've done something of ourselves that's, that the Lord has said, well, I'm kind of going to back off for a little bit. I, I, always, I always think about it like this. The Lord, the Lord if, we will, if, if we'll do it, he'll give us enough rope to hang ourselves. <laughs> but he'll stop us before we, before we actually die. I just consider that sort of a form of chastising, right? With chastising comes, and, and I want to say, it's the, it says that, the, that I have forsaken thee, but look, we need to real, really recognize this. The reason he's forsaking thee is because we've probably not lived the way we're supposed to. We probably weren't doing the things we were supposed to. We need to remember God can't look upon sin. And uh, and have that be the the mindset the mindset that is uh, that's driving us all the time, and and God remi- God puts this up here for a small 
moment have I forsaken thee. And then in the eighth verse, he backs that up. And he says, in a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment, for a, for a short period of time. You know, we can go back through the, through the book of the Judges. And, and, and Israel in the book of the Judges and Judah, uh, they would, uh, well, Israel never had a good king. So I don't know that this could apply to Israel. But Judah would have a king where it was said of them that uh, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and the people rejoiced and the people worshiped God uh, along the lines of a Hezekiah or a Josiah, uh, uh, something like that. And they would have a much longer period of peace and prosperity in correlation to the amount of of time they spent in turmoil and in trouble. God loves his people. And God wants to pour out his providence upon his people. But his people have to learn to rely on that providence of God. And I think in the society that we live in today, that that's really one of the things that's lacking. If I had to say there's two major things that's lacking, it is a lack of veneration toward God, and that is obviously being being revering God, but revering God with a sense of awe tied into it, a lack of veneration toward God, and also at the same time, having a lack of faith to rely upon the providence of God. When we stop doing those two things, we start living by sight. Living by sight. We start doing things where we say, I can, I, I, I'm going to have to do this to save myself, to do this or to do that. When we should stop and we should, uh, when that, whenever that sense or that fear, that grief comes upon us, uh, we should stop right then, right there, and we should just get down and we should pray and we should pray to the Lord that He would help us uh, in our time of need. The Bible tells us that, the, that God uh, is a very present help in a time of trouble. Uh, that, ver- that verse has been coming up a lot uh, in my mind here lately. Uh, but uh, uh, he is a very present help. Uh, we don't think about it like that. Uh, I want to say this, that it's not whole, you know, this is not everybody. Um, but as a whole, uh, I, I believe within the body of churches uh, in uh, the Western world, we become so reliant upon. Uh, modern conveniences that we've just lost sight of the fact that if we live or if we die, it is by the providence of God and nothing alone. The Bible tells us he shall call and I shall answer. It's not optional. Even the circumstances that surround it, uh, we don't control them. Uh, God controls them, uh, and He may let them happen. Uh, it, it may be, uh, it may be an accident. It, it may be a calamity. It, it may be, who knows what it may be. It may be an election. <laughs> but we need to remember. That God is awesome in power. 
that he is omnipotent. And that he is omniscient. And he is omnipresent. And we want to look around the world today too many times and and bear the banner of Christian, but not let our light shine. I think in those moments when we have the opportunity to witness and testify to somebody who may not know the Lord, and we look at our watch, or look at our phone, and we say, I don't have the time. I think in those moments, God turns, us, turns away from us for a little while. And we get cold, because He's trying to remind us of what it is we're supposed to do, what it is we're supposed to be actively involved in in the world, and how we're supposed to be going about it, and what He'll do for us if we will be actively engaged in the work, regardless of the circumstances, God always prevails and He always overcomes. It may, uh, it may, be, it may look bad in the moment or it may look bad for a period of time. Remember, the Dark Ages lasted 1,260 years. 1,260 years. How many times during that time span did those that were holding on and they were seeing their brothers and their sisters killed in great numbers, how many times did they have the feeling of grief about is it just worth it to keep going anymore, Lord? And, and they get down. Now I can envision. I envision it in my mind. I can't say that I know this is how it happened, uh, but I can envision it in my mind when they get when when they would get into that position uh, and uh, and they would just start praying and pouring their heart out to God and knowing that they are in a powerless situation that they had no control over it at all. Uh, there's a line in a movie. Now I want to stop. I'm going to I, I, now look. I used to I used to love NASCAR, right? I used to think NASCAR was awesome. I grew up racing. Daddy didn't take me hunting uh, out in the woods for deer or anything like that. At, at this point in my life, I kind of wish we did do that. I'll just be honest. Um, he would always tell me, "I don't hunt I don't hunt game a uh, game." He said, "I hunt victories." And and so we spent our time at the racetrack all the time. And uh, but I remember we would one of the things we would do a lot was uh, was we would watch racing. We watch NASCAR, and uh, and and the more we watched it, the longer it went on. Eventually, we got to where we just say it's a big choo-choo train, and because we were used to seeing them race on dirt where they actually beat and bang and they they race, and uh, and so. Uh, there's a line in the movie Days of Thunder, right, where uh, where Nicole Kidman looks at Tom Cruise and uh, he tells her, he says, I like the feeling of being in control of something that's out of control. And 
And she says, control is an illusion, you infantile ego egomaniac. <laughs> you know, we're never in control, no matter how much we want to believe that we are. There's one that's in control. He created this world, and he controls it right up until the day that it doesn't exist anymore. He makes a promise about this world. And, and there's people in the world today, uh, I have people in my own family today that believe that the world is going to be flooded because of global warming. And I told them, I said, have you forgotten that God put that bow in the clouds as a reminder that he would never again allow the world to be destroyed by water? We would have an ice age before that happened. And the waters would be gathered at the poles again. And they said, but that was before all the modern things that we have today. And I say, so you think God doesn't know the beginning to the end? You don't know, doesn't know the end to the beginning or whatever. He doesn't know all of the story. God knows every bit of it. And, and, and Isaiah draws that out. He says, look, he says, as the, as the earth was destroyed in the time of Noah, as the waters of the time of Noah unto me, I have sworn that the waters of Noah should go over the earth, uh, should no more go over the earth. I have sworn. And God, when God makes an oath, he's not slack concerning his promise, is he? He says, I have sworn that I would... Um, that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. Not to the level that he was with those antediluvians. But I want to say this. Uh, in, the, in the New Testament, uh, in, the, in the New Covenant book of, the, of the Bible, uh, the, Jesus takes this very instance uh, of the, de the destruction, the flood during the time of Noah, uh, that antediluvian world that was washed away by water. Uh, and, uh, and he says this. He says, uh, there'll be no sign given except that of Noah. Right? who was 120 years preparing the ark. And then the rains came, from the, they came down from the, the top, they, they, he broke up the fountains of the deep, the whole world was covered in water. And what he says about that, he says, as in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking. Marrying and given in marriage. Now, I, I, I've heard a lot of preachers use that verse of Scripture before. Now, I want, to, I want to make sure you know something. I believe that culture today, not just in the United States of America, but worldwide, is getting really close to almost antediluvian levels. That verse of Scripture explains what life was like in the days of the Antediluvians. They didn't just eat and drink. See, I hear, I hear that verse of Scripture used all the time, and, and it's used in this context. They were just living life like normal. No, they weren't. God wouldn't have judged them so harshly if they were living life like normal. They were eating and drinking Gluttonous and drunken, marrying and given in marriage, highly lascivious. 
That's sexual immorality. In God's eyes, that's when you're married. When you, when you, uh, when, when, when man and woman become one flesh, that's when you're married in the sight of God. That's why you should abstain and keep yourself, keep yourself until God unites you with whomever it is that you are to be married to. That's true biblical. Now, I know there's people who say, well, that's not, that, that's not the definition of marriage because they had ceremonies and they had traditions. They had ceremonies and they had traditions. But I want to tell you this. Uh, uh, if we look in the New Testament, uh, we look at the, at the conditions there right as uh, Jesus was coming into the world. Uh, you had the man Joseph and you had his wife Mary, uh, but she was not his wife because he'd never known her. She's referred to as his espoused wife, Mary who was with child. And it says then, Joseph knew her not until after she had brought forth the only begotten Son of God. Jesus Christ, the one who came in the world, died on the cross, poured out his life's blood, that that blood might cleanse us from every blemish, stain, spot, flaw, and leave us white as snow. More on that. Actually, I want to I want to jump ahead. I want to jump ahead on that on that thought. In the fourteenth verse, Isaiah writes and he says, "In righteousness shalt thou be established." Now you were not in righteousness before you got saved. You can't have faith without repentance first. I don't care what anybody teaches. We are saved by repentance and faith. Repentance toward God for the saving of our soul. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, thou shalt be far from oppression. So folks, this grief and this anxiety that is permeating today, uh, that shouldn't be in the house of God. Because we're established in righteousness. I'm going to use two words that Jesus used so often. Fear not. Neither be afraid nor dismayed. There's one that has ultimate power. Remember that. There's one that has ultimate power. Don't fear. Don't fear neither from, and from terror. Don't worry about being afraid like that. It shall not come near thee. If we are really where God would have us to be, God is the ultimate hedge against whatever may harm us. I want you to think about Job. God had to remove his hedge, didn't he? From Job before Satan could afflict him. Folks, we need to remember how powerful God is and whatever it is that's in the world that they're telling us we got to be afraid of. God is greater. He is stronger.
There is no fear to be had in the people of God. He says, Behold, they shall surely gather together. That's, this is talking. Actually, I want to. Actually, I got ahead of myself here. I want to go back. There should be no fear. This is, this is why there should be no fear. This is why there should be no fear. In the 11th verse, he says, O afflicted, tossed with a tempest, and, and not comforted, uh, not comforted. Behold, I will lay thy stones. Behold, I will lay thy stones. You've got no comfort in the world when you don't have Jesus in your life. I want you to know that. There is no rest. There is nothing that you can sit around with uh, if, if something happens. There's nothing that you're going to be able to do to be able to get, uh, to get away from it because there's nobody to help you. There's no helper. This is what God does. Uh, He's the one that lays the foundation. Uh, And this is the foundation being laid. I'll lay the stones with fair colors, and I'll lay the foundations with sapphires. And I'll make the windows of of agates uh, and the gates of carbuncles and thy borders with pleasant stones. Folks, this is the... This is the foundation that we're talking about here. This is the foundation that he's laying. Uh, it is made up of, uh, of, uh, of stones and, and fair colors and, uh, and, uh, and sapphires. Uh, there's only one foundation laid, and that's Christ Jesus. That's it. Uh, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord here this morning in whatever condition that we're in. If we don't know the Lord, uh, we need to get down. And we need to start doing some digging, don't we? I always think about a lost person seeking the Lord like this. And I want to turn over to the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew. Seventh chapter of the book of Matthew. We're going to start in the 24th verse. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. Why? Because he dug down. He dug down to find a foundation uh, that was was a rock before he started building his house. uh, And that house was planted upon that firm foundation of Jesus Christ. uh, And it says, and the rain descended and the floods came. Look, folks, the flood can come. But if we've got the Lord, we've got nothing to fear. I don't want to use the, 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 uh, the, the old adage, but nothing to fear. And I don't even think we've got fear itself to fear. We've got nothing to fear. Remember that. Remember that as we as turn off everything, get away from it, get closer to the Lord. Amen. Who can add anything to his stature? Nobody can, by taking thought for it. Can the leopard change his spots? Can the Ethiopian change his skin? No, cannot. The things that we can't change, we need to leave those in the hands of the one who can change them. We look at this and it says, And the winds blew and it beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Whenever I see a lost person seeking God, I, here's what I see. I see a person who has had to take the foundation that their life was built upon prior to that moment. 
And they've had to get a sledgehammer and they've had to just start banging at that foundation until they finally reach dirt and then they've had to start digging down. Digging down till they find that real foundation which they can build their house upon. And then once they find it, that's when they get saved, don't they? That's when they get saved. When they dig down deep uh, and they find the Lord uh, down in the depths of their soul, down in their bowels where their heart is, then that's when they get saved. Then they can start adding upon that foundation and building upon that foundation. And whatever it is that they build, nothing will come against it. Now you take that analogy that I just built. That's the same analogy that the Lord established His church on. He is the foundation of the church. The church, He is the head and the foundation. We are uh, built on top of Him and He is stands on top of us. Uh, and we look at that today uh, and we think about that. If we would just see Jesus there uh, with us more often, I think we would behave in a more bold way. God hasn't called us. He's called us to meekness, but He hasn't called us to be cowards. He hasn't called us to not be bold. Folks, if we can approach the throne of grace with boldness, we can be bold in the world. Now, there's a contrast to this, uh, and it says, And everyone that heareth not these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, uh, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon sand. He didn't build his house, uh, he didn't dig down to the foundation, to the firm foundation, he just built it right there on top of the earth. Uh, and this is a lazy man. This is a man who doesn't put in any effort uh, in his study. He doesn't. He doesn't work and strive. This is a big problem that we say, that we see today in the church is we don't have enough members uh, start striving in the scriptures to have a deeper and a, and a fuller knowledge of God that we might be able to approach somebody who's in a position of grief, who's in a position uh, of of, ag- of, uh, of of anguish, and, and be able to approach them and tell them boldly and confidently, but with but. Com- Passionately, that we have got, we know one that can remedy not maybe all of their problems, but he can take away all the anxiety and the fear and the trepidation. He can make life worth living, can he? Could you imagine today living life without the Lord? Could you imagine what that would be like? I could not in my mind begin to try to even fathom what it would be like when those times came that I didn't have the Lord to call upon. If you're here and you're not saved, you better start digging. You better start digging. You better dig down to the foundation uh, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish here. The floods came again on that house that was built on the sand. And it says, And the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell. And the scripture says, And great was the fall of it. Why? Because it was built on iniquity. It was built either upon sin or it was built upon slothfulness. But either way, it was built upon iniquity. And great was the fall of it. That's what's going to happen to sin one day. And so we need to remember. Uh, I'm going to try to. I'm going to close right now. We need to remember that whenever the wolf is at the door, so to speak, right? 
This verse I thought was very powerful. 16th verse, 54th chapter of Isaiah. Behold, I have created the smith. Now that's the blacksmith who takes the iron and puts it in the fire and waits till it gets red hot. And then he pulls it out and he lays it on the anvil and he takes the strength that God's given him and he takes the hammer and he just starts beating it into the position that it's supposed to be. God says, I made the smith that bringeth forth the instrument for his work, an instrument for his work. And don't make no mistake, the instrument he's talking about is an instrument of war. Then he says, I've created the waster or the destroyer. And Satan is the ultimate destroyer, isn't he? He is seeking to tear down everything God has built up. No weapon Now I want to be clear when I say this No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper That does not mean that they may not take your life But there'll be a day if they do where you will be in complete joy. And it'll be that day you die too, because you'll go straight home to the Lord. But there'll be a day where you will be in immense joy, and you'll hear words spoken to you that you've never thought you would hear. Come ye blessed, inherit that which I have prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But that smith and that destroyer will hear, depart from me. He cursed in everlasting fire. It will not prosper in this sense. If you have been born again, you have gotten everlasting life. And you got peace that passes all understanding. That needs to dwell in the church, doesn't it? If anything could comes from what the from the environment that we're in. The war, it's, I pray it's this. I think it's taken something like this to cause the warring to stop in the house of God. Among the body. The hand trying to remove the foot. The eye saying, I don't need the ear. Everyone's needed in the house of God. Every tongue that shall raise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. I don't think we'll do that in this world. I think we'll do that at the judgment. In judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage. This is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord. And remember that righteousness that he spoke of. That's imputed righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ that is placed in you when you get saved. That's how we get saved, is imputed righteousness. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Isn't that an amazing thought? It, it is for me as I studied this this morning. 
the the how 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 the Lord how the Spirit had Isaiah put that chapter together. Folks, let us not be weary in well doing. Let us run and not faint. What will be, will be. There is one in control, and it is the Lord God. It is Christ Jesus, the God of our God. That's who we need to cling to. As a husband clings to his wife, let the espoused bride of Christ cling to her espoused husband in a miraculous way. I pray that that happens. I pray that a great revival comes about as a result of present day proceedings. That's my message this morning. I pray you got a a blessing out of it. Brother Williams, if you've got a song. Number 260. 260.